That was, of course, Paul Simon, 50 Ways to Leave Your Lover. And that was the sung request of my guest today, the uh, very talented uh, author, uh, actress and campaigner, Lucy Ann Holmes. Hello, Lucy. How are you today? I'm really good. Um, yeah, good. Thank you for having me. Yeah, it's a pleasure. She's come down from Brighton today in this terrible weather. And uh, that song has a lot of resonance for you. Can you tell us why you chose that as a song? Yeah. Um, yeah, it's funny. When you said, um, um, you know, pick some songs that was the first one that came to my mind I think because my first novel uh, was called 50 ways to find a lover um, and it was partly inspired by that song and I think and and in, and that book was partly inspired by my own experiences because um, prior to that I started writing a blog and the blog was essentially um, me looking for love I suppose yeah it was um, I was coming up to 30 and I realised I'd been single for uh, quite some time. I'd had a, a relationship um, a few years before that had ended quite badly, and I knew I needed to be on my own for a while. And But what I'd done is I think I, I'd started saying, oh, I don't need a man, I want a career, I don't want a man, I don't want a career. And I, I, I realised that what I'd done is actually put a big wall around me because I was really, really terrified of getting hurt um, again. And I sort of... I just sort of, I think I, I heard this song and a few things happened to me that made me think, made, made me a bit sad about that decision. And I thought, actually, no, I should start actively, you know, looking and saying, no, I, I would like to meet someone. Otherwise, I'd just, I'll just keep this wall of, of pride around me. It'll just sure. get higher and higher. Yeah. So I thought, I thought well, um, you know, as Paul Simon says, there's 50 ways to leave a lover. Well, there must be 50 ways to find a lover. Of course. So yeah. rather than me saying, I don't want to meet anyone, I'm actually going to actively... Say so I do want to meet somebody and make an effort to to meet someone. So I did all these <laughs> really quite ridiculous things. So um, you know, I, I went to speed dating and did online dating and, and did various things and took myself you know into various situations to to, to meet men and to, to try and see you know um, yeah if I might meet somebody. And I wrote a blog about it. So every so what, time, whose idea was it to write the blog? Was it yours? It was mine, you just decided yeah. one day I'm going to do this blog. Yeah, and well, put I it think, out there. I think I thought if I'm going to do this. I'm going to make a... Pu- there's something about making a public statement about it that means you probably will do it. Yeah, sure. Um, and also, I what I found, which was really lovely, is that <laughs> I just had generally disastrous um, yeah, yeah, uh, situations with men, which I'd write about, but I really found I loved the writing. I loved the sort of, you know, um, looking at various instances and making little stories about them. And the blog, uh, I think, struck a chord with a lot of people because, um, yeah, and I people would tell me, you know, I'd write a new blog post and they'd be like, oh, we've sent it all around the office. <laughs> well, I think I remember reading about it in the mm. newspaper. How long ago did you write it? Uh, 2006. Yeah, I did. Well, there was an article about it, I think, wasn't there? Didn't, didn't someone kind of get a bit sort of, it got, you got quite a following, I it believe, did, didn't yeah. you? yeah. And, um, and then through that, I got, uh, in, you know, I got some, uh, approached by some publishers and um, agents. And then I, yeah, and then I met with an agent and they said, oh, we think you should write a novel. And I was like, oh, do you really? <laughs> <laughs> I'll have a go then. So I had a go and my head nearly exploded, you know, many, many times. But, um, yeah, I managed to write a novel and I was very lucky that I got a book deal from it. And that was, so that was my first book, 50 Ways. Which I've read and it's it. hilarious. I actually <laughs> oh. love the book. Really, and I'm actually reading your second one at the moment called The Imperfect Girlfriend. Oh. And it's all, so it's being very autobiographical is, is, that that seemed quite scary uh, to to write so autobiographically in a way because of the real people involved. What have you found the reaction to people who recognise themselves in your books? They've been really really brilliant. I mean, there's yeah, really really understanding and really loved it. I mean, most of them are really proud and really love love the fact. I think for me because I'd started writing in a blog, 
um, when it came to writing fiction, I just couldn't imagine writing anything that hadn't happened to me. Yes. I, so I started off, and my main character is called Sarah Sargent, but she's a an out-of-work actress living in Camden in London, and that's what I was an out-of-work actress living in Camden in London. A bit like Withnell and I. Have you ever seen that? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but then I, and then I had this sort of light bulb moment about 15,000 words in, and I went, oh, I get it. I don't have to have done these things. This character, Sarah Sargent, <laughs> can have done all these things. So then what happened is I started, you know, yeah, getting really into, you know, using my imagination. And so Sarah Sargent did all these great things. And then and then people go, oh, my God, did you really do that? And I said, no, 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 I made it up. <laughs> but they didn't believe me. So, and lots of people think that, what I find quite weird now is lots of people think they are characters. I've got one friend, a male friend, and he's convinced he's a male character in the book. And I'm like, no, you're not. No, you're not. He said, no, but I am. And I was like, but you're not. <laughs> Oh, it's fantastic! But I mean, did it? Did the things you did that were real in there? Did you did you find yourself being pushed to do things to please your blog readers ever? Like you said, you know, you went speed dating and you did these things, yeah, um, which are quite scary things. (laughs) I'm pretty sure. Yeah, they were scary. I was really scared, actually. Mm. I think you know, there's something. There is something scary about uh, the whole dating thing. I, uh, no, did I push myself? Not really. And to be honest, I didn't have the blog for that long. I was just very lucky, I think, that it struck a chord. And it came out about the time, I think, uh, where publishers and people were looking to blogs for new writing. So I think I was very just lucky with the timings and, and what have you. But I didn't I didn't really write it for that long. I think I started it in the June and I I'd finished it by the end of the year. So, yeah, I, I didn't. I didn't go, no, I have to do all these. Things. And you did find somebody, I think, in the, uh, I did, yeah. the book, which yeah. is lovely. But then I believe it didn't work <laughs> out, unfortunately. But are you with somebody now? Uh, no, I'm not. Oh, okay, single like me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, I'm quite happy, actually. I'm mm. very happy indeed. Um, but uh, It's yeah. a lot easier, I find. Yeah, it is. I really love my life. So, yeah. I mean, I'm open to meet someone. I'm definitely, it would be lovely to meet someone. But I'm very happy mm-hmm. as it is. Yeah, I, I kind of, you know, it's always funny when people say, oh, she did meet someone. Okay, no, but we're not together. It was another growth opportunity, <laughs> but we're still good friends. <laughs> Which is always good. Yeah. Always good. So um, can you tell us a bit about the, um, so the first two books were about Sarah Sargent, mm-hmm. the actress, and you've done acting yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, what was your career as an actress like? I mean, imagine it's a real hard knock thing. She's laughing here. And I was reading about the book today that you were a tree in a pantomime. That, did, <laughs> that one didn't is happen. That not true? <laughs> now it's getting confused isn't it and uh, no, that was Sarah Sargent was a tree in a pantomime <laughs> not me uh, yeah but I would be I would I'm sure that would be my casting in a pantomime um uh yeah I uh basically I love acting I really really love it I did I've done but I've done some wonderful things but small parts in wonderful things so I've been I've performed and I've been in two plays at the old Vic theatre and I've performed at the Donmar Warehouse and done West End shows but I've been you know the person who will pop up and say yes mom and then understudy a bigger a bigger part so I've been uh yeah so I haven't it's not haven't had you know a great career but I was lucky that I really did work and I really loved it um but then the writing took off so and I found that you really uh what's the thing I suppose the thing when you're acting is it's quite hard to wake up every day and go I'm gonna act <laughs> so will, will you be in your living room and just go I'm just gonna I'm just gonna do King Lear for today you know um but with writing you know it was very um it, it took so much of my time and passion because you can wake up every day and, you know, create these worlds and characters mm. and, and things. So I sort of fell in love with writing and, and that's taken up a lot of my um, time since then. I still do bits of acting and I do really enjoy it. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, so I've, I've, I've kind of, you know, spent a lot of time writing and then started campaigning, which is another thing that sucks all your time and energy and passion. Yeah, we'll get into that in a second. Mm. I just want to tell uh, our uh, listeners about your latest book, uh, Just a Girl Standing in Front of a Boy. 
and it's just come out. So I've got a copy in front of me. It's, uh, it looks lovely. I can't <laughs> wait to read it. And this is about a different character mm-hmm. called Jenny Taylor. Mm-hmm. She's a 27 uh, star receptionist at a local doctor's surgery. Mm-hmm. So, uh, and uh, can you tell us so this? So this is the, the first and second book were about Sarah Sargent, and mm-hmm. the third and fourth are about Jenny. Or no, the, the third book was about is about is a character called Gracie Flowers, who's an estate agent. Um, yeah, oh, it's really hard, isn't it? To, oh, I find it really hard. I should, I should make, uh, I should work out a one-sentence way of describing the books. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm obviously really close to both of them. Um, Jenny Taylor is an estate agent, and actually similar to Jenny Taylor, both of them are, I think, about 27. Uh, but things happen to them in their teens, and they've sort of uh, responded to them by sort of carrying on, and 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 uh, I think they get to this point, both of them, when they're about 27, where a lot of things happen to make them look at why they've become the people they've become and why they've made the decisions they have. And it, so it feels for both of them that their lives are unravelling, but actually it's it's unravelling, so it has to be built again in, in quite a lovely way. So, yeah, yeah. so they, they're kind of... They, they, it felt... So I started writing... The fourth book was a different book. I started writing it, and then Jenny Telly kept talking to me, and it felt like that was the time to write it because it was a sister book to the Gracie Flowers book. So, yeah. Brilliant. Okay. Mm. And you've got plans for further books down the line as well I've got lots of ideas yeah, yeah. I've just but not much time at the moment but I do I really want to write a non-fiction book um about um female sexuality feminism okay. you know uh-huh. those yeah. sort of things porn uh-huh. um and I want to and I have got another I've got another romantic comedy novel plot which is talking away to me which would be really fun um yeah, so when I get the time, yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna definitely. Fantastic, get and I them. read one of them might be options for a Hollywood film. Oh, um, Fifty Ways to Find a Lover has been optioned twice, right? And the book, the new, the latest book has got. We've just, I've just heard that this like a great agent is trying to sell the rights to it, so that's quite exciting. Yeah. Very exciting. Mm. Oh, good luck with that. Thank you. So um, you mentioned feminism there. Let's yes. talk a little bit about the campaign you're doing, which I think is absolutely wonderful, oh. and it's. Um, no more page three and uh, it's a campaign that a lot of people would have heard about Um, everyone knows the sun it's Mm. like one of the most popular um, well it's I think the most popular Mm -hmm. newspaper in uh, this country Mm -hmm. and page three of course is a topless picture which has been going forever and it just Mm -hmm. just seems a bit bit archaic and a bit Mm. sexist and uh, all the rest of it so can you tell us a little bit about how you uh, came up with the idea for the campaign yeah I uh, it was during the summer of 2012 and I bought a copy of The Sun during the Olympics and um, I just, I opened it, I, I grew up with The Sun and my brother always said it's the best paper for sport, you know, it's the best paper for sport and the Olympics was on and I was really, the Olympics was great, wasn't it? Yeah. And I was really, you know, the sun was shining and I, I don't know, you know, it was great for women's sport, you know, we, we hardly see any women's sport covered at all. Um, in fact, women's sport, um, 5% of sports coverage is women's sport. Women's sport gets the same coverage as as men's darts but the Olympics was a real exception to that time so so and I was really inspired by it I bought new trainers and I, <laughs> I buy the sun and I read about Jessica Ennis Jessica Ennis had just won this great gold medal and I opened the sun in the shop and I didn't see a page three model on page three and she wasn't on page five either and I just thought all oh, the sun's dropped page three well the Olympics is, is on and I thought oh that's good that's interesting that's good didn't know why anyway and I so I, I buy the paper and I'm reading about Jessica Ennis team GB and um then I get to page 13 and, uh, you know, turn the page and there was just this massive, massive image of a beautiful young woman in her knickers. And I was like, whoa, whoa. It was just so weird. It was just, first of all, it was just so weird because it was, there I'd been reading about all these inspiring female sports mm. personalities and then it was like, oh, here's an image for, this isn't for me, this is for, clearly for, oh, I, I don't know, it just felt like I was being told it was a man's world yeah. and 
it just kind of snapped me out of whatever place I'd been in, and I just found I couldn't stop thinking about it. And I think um, what really got me was hers was the largest female image. So mm. that largest female image out of the whole newspaper uh, was of, you know, was of this picture of a young woman showing her breasts for men. And it was like, well, but, you know, Jessica Ennis just won't go. No, all no, these, you know, all other... Right. And it was like, what's this saying about a woman's place in society? You know, what's it... It's a family newspaper. What's it teaching? Do you remember that some... Uh, I think it was a comedian actually made some comment about her... Her derriere, mm. like, and that caused rightly yeah. a lot of upset because yeah. it's like, well, you wouldn't say that about a male um, athlete. You wouldn't I dream know. of it, you know. know. And nor would a female comedian, mm. if she stood up, say yeah. that. About it. It's just, yeah. Yeah. it's it's making women, it's making them objectifying them, which yeah. I think is, is totally wrong. So, and so from this feeling about the sun and stuff, you yeah. started a campaign. How did yeah, you do that? I did. Um, I went through a period of like. Yeah, just really kept thinking about it. And from whichever way I came to it, I just couldn't see that these pictures were doing women any favours. I was like, you know, I just... Um, and, yeah, I thought... It, and it got to the point where I, it was twice where I woke up in the night going, and another thing, you know, I'd be thinking... You know, I think... Um, you know, I've got friends who... Pretty much all my friends who've had children have said at, at some point they've been made to feel uncomfortable breastfeeding in public. Mm. But... And then I was like, well, that's... What are we doing here? We're making women feel uncomfortable breastfeeding in public. But yet we're showing teenage breasts in a family newspaper for male pleasure. It just didn't, none of it made any sense. And, uh, you know, I think, yeah, uh, so, so all these sort of thoughts are going around my head. Uh, you have to stop me or I could go on for hours. Um, but, but, yeah, and I just thought, can I feel all this passion and be the only one? I think that was what happened. I was like, wow, can I, can I feel so passionate about this and just be the only one? Or, or are there a lot of other people who would agree with me? So, you know, the internet being amazing, um, I, within 20 minutes I've started an online petition um, and I started a Twitter and a Facebook page. They're all free, you know, all quite simple to do, even for somebody like me who's not great with computers. And, um, yeah, I just thought, I just, yeah, I've just sort of created a platform to see if there were other people who might think similarly. And, you know, now we've got, I mean, there's over 135,000 signatures on that online petition, but also there's, which you can sign, change.org slash no more page three. And, and, um, but also we've got, you know, we're supported by Mums Net, Girl Guide, UK Girl Guiding, all the big teaching unions. British Youth Council. British Youth Council, yeah. Um, all the, pretty much all the charities that work to end violence against women, rape crisis, women's aid, and violence against women's coalition. Um, Royal College of Midwives, Royal College of Nursing, National Assembly of Wales, uh, Scottish Parliament. I mean, I could go on and on. There's a huge amount of support um, and people. And universities, uh, 28 universities have voted to stop selling it until they drop page three. We've got schools supporting um, yeah, it's a huge kind of people-powered movement. Of, of Russell calling. Brand as well, yeah. I see. And also even Sun columnist Karen Brady, who I'm a big fan of. Mm. She's, you know, she's actually working for the Sun and she's mm. supporting yeah. it. So what do you think the the rationale behind keeping it going is? I think, um, well, I think David Dinsmore, who's the, when I started the campaign, it was uh, Dominic Moen was the editor and he left. And then David Dinsmore took over. And when he took over editorship, interestingly, when he took over, he did a lot of media. And one of the first questions he was asked was, what are you going to do about page three? Um, which, you know, showed that we had gone to some way to get it into the public debate, the, you know, the question of it. Well, he said, well, it's a good way of selling newspapers. So um, so that's, you know, it, it, I think we all know that it's that, you know, they're, they're doing it because they're worried about the bottom line and because newspapers, all newspapers are losing readers because so many more people are getting their news online. So the Sun is scared about losing readers, um, which I think is interesting because the Irish Sun actually dropped the topless page three pictures last summer. And the editor of the Irish Sun said, I feel that while some people may, you know, like this feature, 
I actually feel that it's turning other people off who would rather who who would otherwise enjoy the paper. Um, and they know he noted that they sell far more copies um, of the Sun on Saturday when they don't show these images than they do in the week, and that's the same in the, for the Sun in the UK. So I think I think we're going to see the end of of, of the, the pastry pictures as we know it. I think we, realistically in the next six months we've heard a lot of inside um, speculation and talk. Uh, so yeah, I think we're optimistic. Good, I think it's high time. Mm. Right, I'm going to take a... Well, actually, before I uh, play uh, a song you've requested here, which I've noticed is very long, actually. (laughs) (laughs) Streisand, Donna Summer, No More Tears, Enough Uh. is Enough. 11 minutes, is that what sound right? Oh, no, I think maybe there's another version. (laughs) Do you want to do a different song? (laughs) How about John Denver instead? Shall we do the John Denver one? (laughs) Or Nina Simone now? Oh, let's do Nina Simone. Nina Simone, we have Nina Simone up next. Yeah, sorry about that. 11 minutes is just a little bit too (laughs) long, I think, for our listeners. But there's going to be a flash mob uh, later today. Um, This is actually going to be pre-recorded, and you'll hear this um, on my show on the 26th of February. But, um, is that right? Yeah, I think that's right. Um, But later today, it's the 15th of uh, February today, you're going to go going up to uh, London. Can you Mm. tell us a bit about that? By the time you uh, hear this, this will have happened. Yeah, it's a great weekend for No More Page 3, actually. There's lots of uh, exciting creativity happening in London. Uh, But one thing at 2 o'clock today um, in St Pancras International Station is a pop-up choir flash mob. So we have a choir, I think it's a 40 or 50 strong choir coming down from Suffolk, and they've already um, written and performed and put up on YouTube this great song, a great rousing, uplifting, no more page three song, and they are just popping up um, at two o'clock in St Pancras, uh, yeah, to perform that. And I, so supporters are coming along, are going along, and there's going to be a lot of people there. But also, at the same time, we've had um, a theatre company, an all-women theatre company, uh, held a no more page three inspired playwriting competition they were inundated with entries and this weekend there are i think four shows in finsbury park of the, the best three the three that won so yeah so there's no more page three inspired theater this weekend and a pop-up choir yeah it's a really lovely creative wow, campaign yeah fantastic and uh, Lucy, as I mentioned earlier, is off to a flash mob up in <laughs> London. So um, good luck with the campaign. Thank you. We're just talking about figures for the sun. It's we think about two million. A, I think so. Yeah, it's the most widely day. read newspaper <clears throat> in the country. With I think yeah, I think it sells roughly about two million copies a day. And but they say it has a reach of over six million. Okay. So it will reach a lot of people. So you know, so the impact of having page three is is, is pretty massive. You know, mm-hmm. images are powerful. Yes. Um, I think you know. I think we're. I think for me, it's about the context. It's all about the context of these images. There's nothing against breasts. I just, uh, mm. have a pair myself that I'm very fond of. <laughs> um, nothing against nudity. But when you show a naked woman in the context of a family newspaper, then you have to think. You know, children see the paper. It's you know, the sun's given away free Lego for the last two years. Yeah. Um, you know, it's it, it is a family newspaper. It's showing something inappropriate to children that they don't have to think about. Yet, you know, yeah. it's one of those things. It's not they've got all that to think come when they're you know teenagers or whatever, and yeah. it becomes you know. And I so. think, yeah, I, and I think because a child will look at the newspaper and it will see page after page of pictures of men in clothes, doing things, mm. running the country, achieving in sport, and then it will think, you know, what are the women doing in this society I'm learning about, I'm living in? Mm. Oh, they're standing in the knickers showing their breasts for men. It's just two massively different messages we're sending out about each gender. It's just, not fair and it's 2014 and if we believe in equality i don't think we can be doing that what do you think of one these, gender like that these magazines uh like i'm sure we won't mention any names but they kind of have whole articles about oh look at the cellulite on this actress mm. or look at this actress without makeup yeah. who's so ugly and yeah. i think all that is horribly yeah. sexist yeah. and yeah. very anti-feminist yeah i mean it's just so much judgment i think it's this this it's I just, yeah i have you know i'm campaigning about 
page three, and I believe very strongly that it's um, it's an icon of an, a sexism, a 1970s sexism, and it's got no place in society now. Um, but yeah, there are many other things um, that you know I, I, I disagree with with how women are represented, and this 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 way that. Um, various parts of the press and also magazines judge women, just constantly judge women on mm. their appearance. And so it's <clears> as though that women are just here for decoration and to look a certain way. And if they don't look a certain way, then we're just going to attack them. Yeah. You know, red circles pointing out cellulite, pointing out this, that, and the other. And the thing I find so, um, God, so I suppose I'm curious about is, is who can judge? Like who can, who can judge? Somebody's writing this, someone's publishing this. Mm. Um, who is that person to make that judgment? Like, what's your cellulite? Like, yeah. how do you look? What, what do you wear? You know, I just find that it's just, I don't. Yeah, it's one of the reasons I gave up, uh, slightly different, but I gave up English, studying English at university because I was a bit like, I'm doing literary criticism of these amazing yeah. works. <laughs> Who am I to, to, to yeah. say nee, 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 about this? And I just, <laughs> I think the same thing away about people that poke, poke, um, you know, uh, ridicule at these actresses and look at this person, look at that person. And I think there's an idea in this country, especially of building someone up to knock them down. Yeah. And I think it's very sad as well that certain women, certainly notable exceptions like Judy Dench and Meryl Streep and the really big ones, but a lot of actresses will say, well, their career's over after sort of childbearing yeah. age. Yeah. And there's not the roles being written for them it's, because it's yeah. suddenly women are less interesting. And you yeah. see it in uh, fairy tales. The older woman's always the, the evil stepmother or yeah. the the hag or the witch or something like that we're not very nice to older women in society it's so sad isn't it because i think there used to be didn't it used to be you know there was an expression the wise woman like a wise Mm. a wise woman there was some there was wisdom in age and and shouldn't we want to hear stories from people who've been through it you know people who've who've raised children or who've lived lives they've got Mm. stories to tell and why we why yeah I i find it really upsetting that somehow wiping them off the televisions or out of the papers and it's like this is this just like a wealth of wisdom here that you know yeah, and no, stories totally to be great. shared and you see it like in presenters on yeah you know, again and, yeah. and stuff they sort mm. of have it's almost like have you seen the film logan's run where everyone's kind of like killed after the age of 30 no really. it's just like sci-fi sort yeah. of it's obviously not 30 but that you do you suddenly see female presenters mm. not there anymore you know yeah. they just go but they are, the men can go on and on until they're yeah. practically you yeah. know that's so interesting isn't it? if you, know. you think if you look through you know if you look at you know uh, television if you look at newspapers and you see the pictures of men men are allowed to wear clothes for a start you know like be completely covered up um get older you know have fat you Mm. know men are allowed all these things whereas women just don't seem to be it's Mm. like gosh you know it's really it's it's, it's so interesting i mean i i've got gray hair now i've got like this sort of patch of gray hair at the front here and you know and i'm and i and I'm, I, I'm keeping it for now, but I'm looking at it and I'm thinking, you know, there's this sense, there's a kind of an expectation that I should diet. Mm. You know, isn't there? There's just a, a cultural society expectation that, you know, I'm in my 30s, I've got this grey hair, I should diet. And, I, and I'm, but I'm resisting it because I think, well, I just don't, it doesn't matter if I do, but, but if I, but somehow I just think, well, why should I be covering this up? I am, you know, I have, no, I maybe I've gone grey because I've been a campaign really hard for a year and a half and this is, maybe this is what's to show for it, but why do I have to cover all these things up? And, mm. But it's fascinating. We're very conditioned, aren't we, to yeah. worry about our appearance mm. and stuff like that and mm. everything's about, yeah, figures and all the rest yeah. of it. And it's a shame because, as you say, women, women are just as intelligent, if not more so, <laughs> than yeah. a lot of men and it's, it's just, it should be about more what they say. And It's a real pressure and you really yeah. see it, so, you know, on younger women and, I mean, I know when I was growing up, I just, you know, I, I was feeling, you know, I grew up obviously page three in the house, so I felt that, you know, I had deep shame about my breasts because I was 11 and my breasts came and they didn't look like they did in the paper. And I was like, oh, gosh, they're supposed to, and this is a big deal. You know, mm-hmm. men in my family, you know, 
um, you know, they're commenting on these breasts, and this is the big thing about being a woman, clearly. Mm. Um, so, uh, so you know, but it's the shame that we carry about and that various things. And I see it, you know, in younger women um, that I'm close to and how they, you know, this low self-esteem because they don't feel mm. they look a certain way and they're supposed mm. to look a certain way. And somehow it's the sense that they failed yes. because they don't. And, and you just want to take these invisible chains off them and just say you're okay, you're beautiful, you're yeah. free, you're alive, this is the body you've got to take yourself through life, you know, enjoy it, you know. Yeah. But, but it's but it's huge because, that, you know, it's again and again these images are presented to them. And I think women are naturally going to be more insecure about themselves. I just think it's in a woman's psyche almost to be less, like men are, tend to be a bit more arrogant and boastful, I think, and women tend to be just a little bit more humble and a bit, and I think it's how... Oh, controversial. Well, I don't know, <laughs> I, just, I think it's just kind of naturally in women's yeah. personalities to be a little bit kind of less confident than men. I, just, I, I just, think we're stronger and more powerful and wonderful than we know i think so I too think, yeah, i totally I, agree with that but i just think there's almost a condition not to show off about who you are and to hide oh, your light but under I a bushel totally, yeah, yeah but i think that's something that we 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 absorb through the society mm. we live in i know because i don't think you know if you look at you know babies don't we're not born thinking well, i've got a really big bottom i hate my boobs you yeah know, no we, totally we, agree. you know we learn that you yeah. know from someone um but yeah, but there is that, that really interesting thing with with women putting themselves down. Mm. I know I found that, and I I started writing a blog, not the blog about my disastrous love life, another blog which was like pre the campaign, and it was about the things I was uncovering was why I found it so hard, why I found it so hard actually to talk to men. You know, I was thinking, you know, here I am, and I'm, I, you know, I've published books, and I've been on the Western stage, and I'm quite, you know, I'm able to sort of create things in my own life, mm. and but yet when it comes to men, I I. I give away my power. Mm, I kind of. I think a lot of women do. Yeah, and I find mm. it really hard mm. to say, no, actually, I want to do that, or I don't want to do that, or, or can we do this, or no, I need this. I find that really hard, and I would just mm. sort of allow the man to have power. And it was a really weird thing to suddenly go, why am I doing this? Why am I finding this so hard to say? Mm-hmm. Um, and then when I started thinking about it, I was like, well, clearly, because you know, most of the relationships I've seen are, are patriarchal, and women compromising and giving up their needs for men. Mm-hmm. That's pretty much what I've seen, and society reiterates that. Mm-hmm. You know, um, you know how, how to make him want you and all this sort of thing. There's a lot of sort of, you know, trying yeah, to con- make women yeah. tailor their behaviour. Mm-hmm. But I know also, so I'm going on and on now, but I've noticed also in that that I would put myself down and I would proceed a lot of, or proceed a lot of the things I said with, oh yeah, I'm, I'm a plum, or I'm, I put myself down and then I... I was thinking, why am I doing this? And I noticed, like what you said, I said, I don't. No men I knew did that, no, but a lot no. of the women I did that was no. that sort of com- not wanting to get too boastful. But I think there's that fear of we bring down, you know, successful women or confident women. Mm. We seem to, you know, in society, media tends to like to sort of see them. It's like kind of like no one likes a big head type yeah. thing, and it's kind of like it's. I don't know. It's it's it's, it's unfair, isn't it? Is it's whether it's it's getting the the balance right mm. of having confidence in your abilities, mm. like most men have or try to have, mm. and there's an embarrassment for that, isn't mm. there? So but I think we've got to go through it, and we've got to yeah. Yeah, I think I think, I think you're yeah. doing making great changes towards that female emancipation <laughs> in society because although women have obviously come a long way in this country with the vote and stuff like that and the Olympics mm. was a great example mm. of, of female mm. power doing wonderful things there there is still this yeah there's mm. still this this culture of sexism that remains yeah and I think for me page three is, was such a big you know page three does say women are there for men they're there to be seen and not heard 
you know, and, and, and that's what we've got to, and we, you know, we absorb that, you know, when you grow up with that, your, your gender's presented as being there for the other one, you yeah. absorb that. And so. do you notice then you always have a really patronising kind of jokey thing about, oh yeah, Nikki or whatever girl's called believes in the ERM. Or the, well, they have mean? actually they, stopped they that now, but yeah, that was really ghastly. That, that was really patronising. Yeah, really patronising. Yeah. So, yeah. oh, that's good to yeah. hear. They've yeah, stopped they've stopped that, that. now. That yeah. Was, yeah, so. yeah. Right. So, <laughs> well, thank you, Lucy, for joining me today. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you for having me. And I hope it's made all um, our listeners think about <laughs> No More Page 3 if you've not heard about it already and sign that petition. Yes, please. Thank 